spinning back to the open side. Karim Bete, Optical here for Samu, who's quick. Pete Samu looking for Karim Bete. Back to Samu. Oh, that is wonderful. That is wild. That is amazing from the Wallabies. Welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby, where the people's podcast providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. Match reviews, player interviews, and quality rugby chat that is consistent and positive. We do it all for you, our dear listeners. I'm your host, Ando. With me is Mitch. Howdy. And Joe. Hello there. Guys, it is an absolute pleasure to have both of you here. Uh, Joe, your background is the... uh, how, how would you best describe the background to your video right now? Uh, it's one of the most infamous and hilarious moments in Brumby's history. And it's uh, <laughs> when uh, Brumby Jack was feeling rather unwell one night and uh, had to go the old up and under out on the right. field. <laughs> well, um, for those of you that don't know what it's about... Um, I won't get any more details because it might tie into something we're doing a little bit later, mate. Um, But can I highly recommend that people search up on YouTube Brumby Jack Vomit um, and you'll see a great episode um, on the old Fox Sports rugby show with uh, Rod Kafer and um, Sean Maloney doing an absolutely brilliant straight-faced interview about this whole thing. It's great. Um, So anyway, tonight... We are here to provide you with the final installation of the pre-season previews, or the Super Rugby Pacific previews, I should say. We're going to go through a couple of quick trial results from the weekend, jump into some Brumbies trivia, and then the reason why we have Joe here is because he's, he's one of those die-hard Brumbies supporters. Joe, how long have you been a Brumbies fan? Uh, oh, ever since I've been following rugby, I guess. Brilliant. So, I don't know, 99, 2000? All right, so if you don't absolutely paste Mitch in the trivia that's coming up, um, you're going to be basically not being able to show your head at the dock in Canberra anymore. Uh, that's right. I live in the north, so I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. okay. I just want to point out for all those that are playing along at home who aren't tuning into YouTube, I'm sitting here in my beautiful Waratahs jersey in preview for the uh, victory that's coming this coming Friday night against the men from the ACT. So. Repping the team. See that Joe's also wearing a nice sky blue coloured top as well. So I'm, I'm glad we're all not sky blue. <laughs> and I'm enough. wearing black um, mourning for the Brumbies and what's going to be happening to them this coming Friday. So it's going to be great fun. But there are a couple of things that I'm going to plug before we actually get into the meat and veg for tonight or this episode. So first things first, we have a super rugby tipping competition that you need to join. Really, really simple. You have to join it if you're listening to this podcast. And we've decided to mm-hmm. move away from Superbrew because of the pain in the ass platform that whilst was great in some ways, had many annoyances in others. So we're going to this official Super Rugby Pacific tipping website. Once you go there, you can create a profile all completely free and then just search for draft, um, pick and drive rugby or you enter this code. Draft, Z- you've got that on your mind, don't you, Andy? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, Z-E-P 94K. Eight A. So just enter that in. We'll put it on our socials as well um, and join in there. We already have 53 people so far within a tipping competition. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can get it well over 100 before the competition starts on Friday. Two and other just a reminder things. as well, oh, if yep. you're listening now before the season starts and you're thinking, do I want to get involved in the tipping comp? You most certainly do because we have a fantastic shield where we engrave the winner's name on at the end of the season. So 
Uh, you probably won't get there if you join halfway through the year. You won't be able to catch up to the rest of the comp. So get in now and you, you'll get yourself a nice little trophy at the end of the season and you might even get your name on the shield as well. So all a bit of fun to play for. Very exciting. Okay, two other quick things. Number one, join us on the, our Discord server. So Discord is an awesome platform for building a community of like-minded fans. So get involved Download Discord, set up an account, all completely free, and then search. Um, again, we have the join links on our social media platforms, so you can go there. And then lastly, for those of you who do want to support the pod, please consider going to coffee.com slash pick and, pick and drive rugby and supporting us with a one-off or monthly uh, subscription. We really appreciate it. We've bought a few new gadgets that are going to be helping with our uh, live podcasts that we're going to be doing at the stadiums after each game that we attend. So there's a lot of stuff that we've been investing based upon the support that you provided. So thank you. That's it from me. Fellas, let's get into things and chat some rugby. Let's take it away. Let's go. All right, time to talk some trial form now. And so we had three trials that happened over the weekend or in the last week, we should say. Uh, the first one was a, a home trial for, I think this one was technically the Indrua had the home trial, but it was played up in Brisbane. So it was, um, I think, home, home of West's Bulldogs in Brisbane. Uh, it was played on Memory Serves Me Tuesday or Thursday night last week. Uh, it was on Stan Sport. Thursday night. So it was on Sam Sports. So if you haven't had a chance to, to catch it, you do do get amongst it because they do have it up there to watch. It was a 48 to 38 win to the Inbrewer in that game. Gentlemen, did we get a chance to see that? What were our sort of overall thoughts from that game? Yeah, I did. Um, so it was... It was really interesting. There were some entertaining moments, obviously, from both teams when you have a score that's that high. Uh, there's going to be some great uh, entertaining attacking play where both teams are willing to throw it around. The couple of takeaways that I had was the Drua are going to be a real handful this season. They are fitter, faster, and stronger than they were last year after a full preseason. Um, so that was really... Like, we'd spoken about it previously with Mick Byrne, the coach, on our interview with him. But to see that in action was something else entirely. So. That's pretty concerning as a uh, Aussie rugby fan that they might take some games off uh, our respective teams. But the other part was um, the force had some good moments, but man, their discipline was shocking. It was so bad. So many, so many ruck infringements and offside calls against them. Um, maybe they're settling into a new defensive pattern or something like that, but it was really poor discipline and unfortunately michael wells had to do yet another post-match interview as the captain of a team that's just been beaten by somebody they should have won against so that was that was pretty hard to watch again thinking back to last year but um joey did you have a chance to catch this match mate unfortunately not no i did not i haven't seen it <laughs> i've All seen good. i think one highlight and it was a pick and go try for the endure so that's it yeah. mitch do you want me to go through a couple of other points then quickly yeah, I was just going to say I've caught bits and pieces of this game. I was sort of tuning in and out throughout the evening whilst doing other things. And, like, I guess for Force fans, it was a bit of a comfort to know that they never really, like, gave up, which was good mm. to see. Like, there was a few points in the game where the score was at least two scores ahead and they never really, like, looked like they sort of stopped trying or um, sort of went into themselves or, or didn't stop, you know, having a crack. So that was good to see. and. 
Um, I think they ended up getting within seven points uh, at some uh, in the second half, and and then the injury was scored another try, and they ended up getting within ten. But uh, from what I saw at the like, I think I tuned in for the first like ten fifteen minutes, and by that point the draw were quite convincingly up, and they had scored some pretty soft tries. And so yep. I was sort of thinking like, geez, this is going to be a mammoth score when I tune in later on. But when I tuned in later in the second half, the the force were still sort of within scoring and touching distance. So um, although this wasn't like both full teams going at it, uh, I think there will be some good signs that come out of it in terms of the fact that they were still able to hold on yep. and hold within distance of the Indrua, but still like, yeah, not great overall. No, for the force, not I guess. really. And I mean, knowing a few of the Western Force players better, for me, I know them better than the Drua players, unfortunately, in a way. I'd love to know more Drua players to a greater degree. But for the Force, um, Sam Spinks, who's just come across from England, really stood out at 13. He was he was quite impressive, uh, particularly within his attacking efforts. His defensive organisation was sound as well, but particularly it was his strength in the carry was really good to see. So hopefully that will be a... Um, really smooth transition there into 13 because it's a position that with Godwin and Kahui not at the club anymore, they don't have a ready-made 13. Hamish Stewart played pretty well at 10, um, kind of nothing amazing to write home about, but he seemed to marshal the team relatively well and stuck most of his tackles. Um, and then who else was I going to say? Ian Pryor. Ian Pryor, going to say, he outplayed Fines Leliawasa, like without a doubt. Um, anybody that watches the game in full, you see the cl- the accuracy of passing, the crispness of his delivery. It was just his control of the team around the park. Um, as much as Leliosa is an excitement machine and he showed at various points over the last two years his capacity to do great runs and great snipes in an attacking sense, um, prior... It wouldn't surprise me if Pryor is the starting scrum half for the first half of the season. Um, and it takes fines a little while to kind of boot him out of that spot. But yeah, entertaining game to watch, but a few, fair few concerns if you're a Force fan or an Australian rugby fan going up against a draw. Yeah. I will say that before we move on, the last thing was it was great to see like Super Rugby being played at a suburban ground again. Like it really had like a different feel to it than you sort of get tuning into the Reds playing at Suncorp or the Waratahs playing at the New Orleans. Like there was... Uh, crowds sort of standing a meter, if if not closer, on from the sidelines and sort of getting involved and and having real close impact to the players. So um, that was that was a little bit different. It was nice to see as well. Um, we'll move across yep. now into the Waratahs. So the Waratahs played um, a trial game against two of the Shoot Shield teams on the weekend. They played the first half, I believe, against West Harbour, and then the second half against Parramatta or Western Sydney Two Blues. Ando, you were out there for the first half at least. What were your sort of thoughts around the performance of the Waratahs in that trial? Look, it was, it's really hard to take anything um, meaningful away in terms of like super rugby predictions because the team that took the field for the Waratahs had maybe two players that might feature in a match day 23. So it was Hugh Sinclair and Namani Ndolo. So out of those two, uh, Namani Ndolo barely got the ball at all. He was on the left wing and it just never went out to him except for one time where he walked over for a try and he actually put it down his time instead of dropping it. Um, but Hugh Sinclair was a step a cut above everybody else. The thing that I found was the, um, the Waratahs forward pack really struggled, particularly in the first kind of 20 minutes against West Harbour and also with the two blues. The forward pack was, the forwards were the areas where we were getting kind of 
uh, pretty challenged. Uh, but the backs were quite impressive. So Teddy Wilson at nine was distributing well to O'Donnell at 10. Um, and then, yeah, there was just some really, really good play. Harry Wilson at, I think he was playing 11, was excellent in a way that he was just in, injecting himself with pace into the back line. So, yeah, the backs were pretty impressive. But unfortunately, the forwards... Um, did struggle a little bit more than what I thought was going to happen. They they turned it around, but it didn't go their way, particularly against the two Blues, so they went down to 12-7. Yeah, and I think uh, look, we've got to take a grain of salt with this. Like, it, When you think about it from a sort of logistics point of view, like you, as a fan, you expect the Waratahs to be playing the Western Sydney two Blues, but really it was the development squad and some of the wider training members who may not necessarily be on full-time contracts with the Waratahs who were kind of getting a crack. So um, we kind of take the results with a grain of salt and you don't worry too much around how it's going to impact the team going into round one this coming weekend. But at least it is good to see that they are continuing that um, pathway through with the Shoot Shield. And it was something that DC brought in last year where they played a trial against three teams. So both teams that were represented this weekend, but they also had the Hunter um, Newcastle team, Hunter Wildfires as well. Um, so it was good to see they've continued that tradition, but um, yeah. Ando, actually one question I do have for you. Was it the new Concord Oval? What were your thoughts on the facilities? Um, look, the facilities were pretty great. You could buy a beer for six bucks and it was a decent beer as well. So there's something to be said for that. Um, the, food, the food was good as well. The stand was um, mostly undercover, but it was so hot. It was 35 degrees on a day. Um, and so everybody was chasing the sun as it was moving across the seats and stuff. But the facilities themselves, yeah, yeah, really good. Um, clean, new, and everything was affordable as opposed to going to any other sports sporting stadium throughout the country. So that's positive. Yeah, hopefully we can see the Shoot Shield final move back there after a few years of it being um, at Parramatta for varying success. So um, hopefully that's a good thing for the Shoot Shield moving forward. Now, the last trial we had over the weekend as well was for the Waratahs women. Now, they were over in New Zealand playing some trial games against the Our Picky teams. Um, I think from memory, they only played two games against yeah, the Chiefs games. women and the Blues, Timmen, uh, Blues women. Um, we've got the results here from the Chiefs game. It was 12 nil. That so that was actually the Blues, the Blues game as well. So that was the Blues okay. game and say the that's... Chiefs game was 26 nil. Um, against the Waratahs. Now, it wasn't the Waratahs' strongest team um, for mm -hmm. for either match in terms of giving some of the wider squad a bit of uh, opportunities and a lot of the Wallaroos players um, or a few of the Wallaroos players didn't feature. But yeah, still quite convincing losses, particularly against the Chiefs. Um, but either way, it's great for the women to actually have like a five-day tour of New Zealand and get those games in ahead of time. And it's just great to see that crossover. It's something that we've been sort of hoping to see a little bit more between Super W and Super Rugby Our Piggy. So hopefully we can see that continue in future and get a fully cross-trans-Tasman competition up and running, which would be awesome. Mm. Yep, Anything else you guys wanted to say around the trial form or should we move into our preview this week? Cool, let's go. Let's go. All right, we're moving now into the trivia part of the night and I'm getting some back chat here from the boys who are asking heaps of questions. So what is going to be happening? Let me paint you the picture of what this experience is going to be. I have eight questions prepared for you. 
I'm going to go through and ask them. Some of them will be multi-part, as in like, if you get three of the kind of sub-questions within it, you get three points. If you get one of them, one point, so on and so forth. Um, and you write down all the questions, all your answers as we go, and then we'll go through the answers at the end and you tell your own points. Okay? So no answers okay. straight so, away. So Don't can I go to the way. bathroom? No, shut up. You should have gone before we started. All right. Oh, so <laughs> seriously, the amount of whinging these two had when I was like, oh, you'll need pen and paper. Like, what? What? <laughs> what is this? Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> listening along, I want you to be showing us how much you know about the Brumbies. Please make sure that you jump onto our socials and tell us uh, how many points that you received within this quiz, within this trivia, and particularly mock these two fellas for the results that they get. So let's see how we go. That won't be hard to do. Uh, okay, cool. So question number one, what percentage, and this is a historical question over time, what percentage of Brumbies players have become Wallabies? The closest wins. Okay, so out of you two, the closest wins. So don't say what you're thinking, write an answer down. Okay, what percentage of all Brumbies players have become Wallabies? The closest answer wins. Okay. I will preface that for That's everybody impossible. else. I will preface that for everybody else by saying this is what the Brumbies website says. So let's hope that they're telling the truth. Now, don't look Bias. it up on your computers whilst we're doing this. Now, question number two. How many Super Rugby finals have the Brumbies participated in? Question. Oh. Is that yes. like the Super AU count? Like all of them? They all That's count? a fantastic question. Let me check on that one for you whilst we're doing this. Uh, I had this up before. Okay. We are... Oh, no, I've got it here. Okay, cool. It does not include Super AU. Oh, okay. It does not include Super Rugby AU. Okay, cool. Thanks. That's a good question. I had thought of that beforehand but then forgot when you asked me so that's helpful okay so that was question number two how many super rugby finals have the brumbies played in not including super rugby au question number three brumbies legend george gregan played 139 games for the wallabies this is a three-point question in what year did he debut for the wallabies where did he debut and against whom did he debut now i am going to give you some the brumbies what does George Gregan have to yep. do with the Brumbies? Okay, that's a silly question. Thank you, Mitchell. Um, hints. <laughs> I was seven. Can he fail just because of that, please? Yeah, I think he can. He's <laughs> Okay, Mitch, you lose a point. I'm writing that down. You've just lost a point. Oh, um, Mitch equals minus one. Um, hints. I was seven when he debuted for the Wallabies. So if you know how old I am, that might help. Yeah, it's I'm in Australia. <laughs> the, the match that he played in was in Australia. And it was against a touring European team. So that narrows it down a bit for you. Okay. So I was seven. It's in Australia against a touring European team. In what year did George Gregan debut for the Wallabies? Where was his debut and against whom was his debut? All right. I'll give you five seconds and I'll move on. Next up. When Super 12 kicked off in 1996, who was the Brumbies coach? Considering there haven't been that many Brumbies coaches since then, I would hope this is one we can get. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. All right, Next. cool. In, in the second year of the Super 12 competition in 1997, the Brumbies reached the Super 12 final. Who did they lose that Super 12 final to? Question number six. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the trophy or cup, whatever you want to call it, played for between the Waratahs and the Brumbies in honor of this coming, ma- this coming Friday night's match? So what is the name of the trophy or cup played for between the Waratahs and the Brumbies? All right, question seven. You need to write down the name of this player. It's a who am I, but nobody can jump in first. So you just need to write down the name of the player. Okay. Mm -hmm. I debuted. I debuted for the Brumbies in 2012 and was selected as Brumbies captain in that same year. I earned my Wallabies debut in 2013 against the British and Irish Lions replacing James Horwill as Wallabies captain later that year. Before joining the Brumbies, I'd also played at the Waratahs and the Reds, and I left Australian rugby at the end of 2014 to sign for Montpellier in France. That is all you're getting. If you don't know it by that, you're disowned. (laughs) I love how much thinking there is going on about these. This is good. The pressure. The pressure. Okay. Are we good to move on? Final question? Yep. Final question. Let's do it. Okay. Final question. Ah, Joe, I love that you chose that as your background. Okay. So this, (laughs) this is the final question. The brother of which super rugby player was hung over on game day or drunk on game day, put on the Brumby's mascot costume, Brumby Jack, and puked everywhere on the side of the field, forever damaging the minds of young Brumby's fans. The brother of which super rugby player was Brumby Jack? Cool. All right, team. That is eight questions with 10 points in total. So the most points Mm. that Joey can get is 10. The most points that Mitch can get is nine. And we are going to see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, what we'll do is, uh, Mitch, you can answer the question uh, question number one first. What percentage of Rumbies players have become Wallabies closest wins? So, Mitch, what was your answer? I've said 65%. Okay, Joey? I've gone way too high. I went 33, so we've literally gone the opposite ends of the, yeah. of the 33, pie. <laughs> so 17, 65 is 15 above. It is flat, 50%. So congratulations, Actually, Mitch. Um, 50%. You're you. the closest to it by, 15, uh, by 2%. So anybody listening, <laughs> if you're closer than 15%, congratulations, you beat Mitch on that Hang on. So, Is that Mitch, just because Mitch is bad at fractions? <laughs> he thought two thirds was sixty five percent. Okay, next up. How many Super Rugby finals have the Brumbies participated in, Joe? Uh, I think it's six, but it could be five. <laughs> oh, it's a little bit more than that, Mitch. How many did you have? Is it finals? Is in grand finals? Yes. How many Super Rugby finals have the I said Brumbies three. participated in? No, it's uh, it is six plus. It is six. Two, four, six. So it's six with Hang on, two. I said six. I know, I miscounted. So it is six and two of them are wins. <laughs> so I had six plus two on my sheet. It's actually four plus two. So they got to the final four times okay. without winning and they won twice. So congratulations, Joey. You smashed that on the nose. Yeah. All right. Uh, following up from that, because Joe, I can't let Mitch have this question. Um, George Gregan. In oh, what well, year I don't know. The, I'm not. <laughs> they, I, 
Was it 94? I don't know. One point. 1994. Yeah. Mitch, what did you have? 94? What did you say? I said 2006. Uh, A little bit later. What? He won the 99 (laughs) World Cup. He did. All right, let's go. What city in Australia did he um, debut in? Joe? Uh, I guess Sydney, but I've got no idea. And Mitch? Brisbane. There we go. One each. One each. And who is he playing? Mitch, follow it up. England. Okay, and Joe? I had England as well. <laughs> uh, Italy. So 1994, Brisbane, yeah. Italy. Okay. Oh, so currently we have Mitch on two and Joe on two. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Joe, when Super Rugby 12 kicked off in 96, who was the Brumbies coach? Rod McQueen. Correct. Did you have that, Mitch? Yes, I did. Awesome. Three all. The Brumbies reached the Super 12 final in 1997. Who did they lose to, Mitch? The Bulls. Nope. Joe? No. The Blues. The Blues. Correct. So that uh, means four. I had the B three. team. <laughs> what is the name of the trophy or cup played for between the Waratahs and the Brumbies, Mitch? Uh, I couldn't remember. I went with the Ellis Mobs Cup, but I think that's the the England one, the New England one. <laughs> it is. And Joe? It's the Dan Vickerman Cup, isn't it? It is the Dan Vickerman Cup. Correct. Uh, okay, yes, so 5 3. 5 3. Let's hope that Joey scuffs the next two. And that gives you an opportunity to get back into the running, Mitch. Okay. Uh, the name of this player, I won't go through it all again, but basically earned his Wallabies debut in 2013 and replaced James Horwell as captain that year. Uh, Joe? It was Ben Mowen. That is correct. Did you have Ben Mowen, Mitch? I did not. Bugger. So that does clinch the deal, yep. 6-3, but let's still go through the last response. And Mitch, I'll give this one to you. Whose brother... Was Brumby Jack in that infamous episode? Is it Clyde Rathbone? It was. It was. Well done. Very well done. So I think it's 7-4 is the final result. And um, I haven't even taken a point. 7-3. Because I I, I got minus one, apparently. (laughs) 7-4 because you lost anyway. I don't need to rub it in. So congratulations, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, playing at home. Hopefully you enjoyed that as well. But I think... Without any further ado, I'm going to hand over to, I believe, Mitch, who is going to be taking us through our Brumbies preview. Mitch, over to you. Fantastic. All right, let's, uh, let's dive into it. So this is our Brumbies preview for 2023. Um, let's start off with the 2022 season. So in 2022, the Brumbies finished in fourth place. They had 10 wins and four losses. Uh, if we dive through some of their key games and best performances, um, actually, I'll get you, Joey. What, what were your thoughts on their key games for 2022? Yeah, uh, so funnily enough, I've sort of got their, well, their three key games are actually all, were actually all losses. So uh, round 13 against the Crusaders, uh, round 14 against the Blues, and then the semi-final against the Blues. Uh, and the reason I thought that they were the, sort of key games excluding their best performance which is another game uh was just because they actually proved i think that they belonged at the top of that pecking order with the other teams they particularly against the crusaders and the blues so in the second half against the crusaders they sort of after a pretty loose first half where i think they tried to play probably a bit too much rugby they sort of tightened things up and 
got some momentum and I think that sort of proved to them that their style of rugby and the, the way that they want to play the game was good enough to compete with the top, top teams. Um, and then they backed that up into the next week against the Blues, which they lost with that Bodie Barrett field goal after the siren. So they came back, really wasn't a pretty game, was just really brutal, physical game, um, bit of a Laurie Fisher special, lots of belting everyone <laughs> at the breakdown and stuff like that. But it just sort of showed that they were in the, belonged at the top with those two other teams. Um, and then the semi final again, that was a, like a very like full on game, obviously one point in it. Um, and that I think just sets the, the benchmark for where they should be aiming going forward. And as a Brumbies fan, do you sit here now and think of like the what could have been when you review that semi final? Like those, those last two or three um, minutes were really quite tight for and quite hard yeah, for any rug, Australian rugby fan. I think what I'll probably stands out. I didn't. I haven't actually gone back and watched it because I'm not a not a glutton for punishment. But um, <laughs> it was probably they got off to a really good start. Um, Ira Simone. Um, busted through off a scrum and they got the first try. But after that, they were pretty loose, actually, and then they let the Blues get out to a bit of a lead. Um, so it wasn't until they tightened up in the second half that they got back into it. So I sort of look back at it and go more that it was the first half where I think they could have been better. And mm-hmm. if they had have been better in that time or just playing their their style of footy the whole way through, they probably would have won that game or at least would have been in a not relying on a speculative 40-metre drop goal that gets charged down on full-time to win it. So um, that's probably my memories of that game, looking back on it. And Endo, when you sort of review the the whole season that was 2022 for the Brumbies, what's the best performance that jumps out for you? Yeah, it was... (laughs) Sorry, I kind of like choked and died for a moment there whilst Joey was talking. That's why I went off camera for a bit. Um, (laughs) Three losses. You got it going. Three losses, what? (laughs) Um, But basically, for me, it was the performance against the Chiefs, particularly because they were away. And so it was just a really, really dominant game against a pretty highly rated New Zealand team. Um, They were playing well at the time and away from home against the Kiwi team is always challenging and difficult. So it was just the quality of that performance. I'm pretty sure Lolasiu was out at that point. So it was Rod Yona who was um, filling in at 10. Or was he he available for that game? No, he played that game. He played against all the New Zealand teams. Oh, it must have been later on. He played the first few. He He was out against the Crusaders. That's the one. Okay. I remember seeing Rodney Anna for a few of them. And, um, but yeah, and it was maybe just... Maybe against the Blues as well. <clears throat> I can't remember that one. But yeah. yeah. Sorry. So for me, it was just that um, moment of really, really strong performance where they're playing to expectation before they actually hit a bit of a downturn near the end of the season. So the final, the final matches within their season were really, really disappointing. So um, the, they then followed the Chiefs game up with a loss to the Crusaders, a loss to the Blues. Um, they lost to the Moana Pacifica and just beat and beat the Canes before getting into the finals. So they had four losses in a row after that Chiefs three three losses after that Chiefs game. Right. Which is a yeah, three. Which is a really bad way to finish a season. Um so for me that that Chiefs match is kind of like the high point because after that it kind of goes down a little bit at the end of the season from where they had been earlier on. Yeah I think from memory as well, was that the second that was the second week of the crossover that Chiefs game, wasn't it? So they played the Highlanders uh, in, in Melbourne. Canes. So they no, played the Highlanders, third. then Canes. They beat Highlanders. Yeah. 
they sort of built on this crescendo up, having the, had the bye, and then they just sort of went out and got the job done against the Highlanders. Yep. Then they put on a pretty good display against the Hurricanes at home, went over to New Zealand against a, probably the third best New Zealand team and put a clinic on. Yep. And then they, without Noah, got a bit wayward against the Crusaders until they sort of knuckled down and went, went it in the forwards. Yeah. And then they had the game against the Blues, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I just yeah, remember, proved... like, from an Australian yeah. perspective, that that Chiefs game was, and, and the Highlanders game to some degree as well, was was quite, quite refreshing for Australian rugby fans in that we were, we'd seen some of the other teams, like, in Super Round, the Waratahs went up against the Chiefs and got absolutely pummeled. Um, and then the Brumbies in the, the afternoon or, I think, the second day came out and absolutely demolished the the Highlanders and sort of gave some pride back to the Australian rugby fans. And then they were building so nicely and it was just really un- unfortunate when they did lose Noah for those key games late in the end of the season. And, and sort of, it kind of showed and summed up for them that, that, that Noah was such an integral player and without him, they weren't quite able to unleash their backline as much. It's funny though. I look back on it and just go, Oh, those games, despite the losses were like, no, they're, they're, best will be good, like he's good enough. Mm. It's just they've got to do their best for the full 80 against those good teams. Um, that's sort of what I took away from them. So yeah. like, well, the Moana game was like a bad loss, but I think that was sort of, they went on a really hard sprint and I think they were just mentally stuffed at the end of that, yep. those five games against the Kiwi teams. And they just sort of sent over a, a light, a, not a, they, were, they were looking ahead to the quarterfinal basically. In, in yeah. preparation it's interesting for this, to just listen to what you go, Mitch. Yep, you, you go, go Andrew. Yep. Oh, we're too okay, nice. No, say, you go. Just... no, you go. <laughs> no, you. No, you. Uh, it's been interesting to hear what some of the coaches have said in the lead up to 2023 already. That uh, that last season, so the crossover with the Australian teams and the Kiwi teams second was really quite tough for the Australian teams. That like, particularly like the Reds and the, the teams that weren't necessarily doing so well. That when you have the Kiwi team sort of intermingled like we're going to have in 2023, you can sort of get back up. If you lose one against the Kiwi teams, you've got a, an Australian team or you've got the Indrua coming up. So you can kind of get back up. They said that they found it really difficult last year because they had by, particularly this, I think the Reds were saying this in the season launch this year, that by that second or third game against the Kiwi teams, when you've got five in a row, it gets really, it just, it doesn't look much brighter and you sort of get into a dark place when you just think week after week after week, you're playing Kiwi team. So um, hopefully that can be something as Australian rugby fans we can look forward to in 2023 that we don't have to have this massive chunk of just Kiwi opposition um, consistently across and we can sort of intermingle them throughout the season. Yep. Good shout. I think and, on that um, point, that's... <clears throat> yeah, Joey? I, I'm just sorry. Just like, go, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's um. Well, I was just thinking on that point. I think that's where the draw last year sort of fell a bit in the Brumbies' favour because they had their bye at the end of the in the middle of the season after they'd played all their Aussie games. So they sort of got to break their season into two bits. And I think if you sort of go back and look at the teams are putting out against the Australian teams, they were doing a lot of resting and a lot of like they were aiming for the back end of the season. They were like, no, 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 that's the that's the goal at the back end. That's the hill we have to climb. That's yeah, and so they were just they came out of the gates in Super Round, and it was like we're going like going hard for it right now. Yep. Um, whereas the other teams, obviously, they had their buyers at different spots, so they 
you know, hit their walls again at different times. Yeah. Ando, we'll let you talk now. Oh, yeah, good. I'm here too. Um, hi. So <laughs> what I was going to say is um, in preparation for this, I was listening to the chat that I got to have with Worry Fisher at the start of last season's competition. And one of the things that he was focusing on with like bringing players like um, Jesse Mogg or Cam Clark or CFS back into the team, look, bringing some of them in was providing them with depth across multiple positions and wanting to make sure that they had players who were capable of stepping up into a starting super rugby team and being confident that every single one of them would be able to do what was required of them within a Brumby setup in that position. And we saw particularly within the Crusaders match last year at the end of the season where you had a player like Rod Yona who was directly responsible for two tries within the first half that the Crusaders got. One with a charge down by Scott Barrett that fell into the Crusaders' hands. And then secondly, with um, the... Cody Taylor putting through a grubber in behind the line and Rod Yona just running past the ball and not even picking it up. I think that I think he got a bit unlucky with the bounce, so I don't want to be too harsh. But either way, he, he made two mistakes that were directly responsible for two tries. Um, and so Yona, whilst being kind of a, a good journeyman player, um, definitely wasn't of the same kind of ability, I would believe, as Debrasini who's now kind of that second 10 at the Brumbies. And so it just looks like the Brumbies have been as much as possible trying to provide opportunity, uh, trying to provide more depth so that if Noah goes down, they've got someone there and they've got people that are competing for those starting spots. So Noah like doesn't have a mortgage on 10 anymore at the Brumbies. Like Debrasini is good. And so him coming in is going to push Noah to better heights because he knows that he doesn't, just have the right to the jersey anymore simply by being there. Mm. There's a lot to talk around that, and I think we will get into that as we get through our squad in a little bit. But let's focus on some takeaways for the 2022 season. So, Joe, you're a loyal Brumbies fan. What were some of the key takeaways you had from last season? Uh, so, well, it was a, I would say it was a great season. It was a good season. Uh, great, yep. good. Um, you take a semi-final any day of the week, at the beginning of the season, um, no matter how it ends. So even if you're yeah, and if you're within two points at the end of it, yeah. like even better, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it was the culmination of with I think that sort of core group that sort of came on in 2020 that won Super Rugby AU, and then they sort of kept bringing in young guys again in 2021. They sort of just kept building, and that was like, and there was a bit of a culmination to that sort of. To that group, I suppose, and now they're in a position where they've just got to retool again because they've obviously lost, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it. They've lost a few players that were pretty important to their side, um, and so it's about retooling on that so they can just stay at that same consistent Brumbies level because they should be playing semi-final football. Like that should be the aim for the club each year. Um, they have the talent still, regardless, even with those losses. So that should be the aim. It's just about finding replacements and um, bringing them on board seamlessly. Well, that ties us perfectly into the signings and departures uh, for 2023. Now, one name that I haven't chucked on there that I've just realized I probably should have started with uh, in the signings column is Stephen Larkham. He's back for the Brumbies as head coach. And in the departure, we can then chalk in um, Dan McKellar as well. So let's talk a little bit about him first before we go through some of these players. What do you think 
what's going to be different this time with Luck and what's he going to bring to this Brumbies team that we may not have seen under Dan McKellar? One I might just quickly say before I let Joe take over because, I mean, he's a, more of a Brumbies fan so might have some better insight than me. But I just remember I had a conversation, oh, a bit of an argument with a Brumbies fan a few years back when Larkham was the coach, where I basically argued that the Brumbies under Larkham were a bit overrated and they weren't actually that good because the performances that they put in under his reign, in my mind, weren't anything to be writing home about. And... I'm not claiming that he's going to be the same now as he was then because he's more experienced, had more opportunities around the world as a coach. Um, But whilst we can sometimes get caught up in the legacy of how good he was as a player, um, I still would be hoping to see more from him as a coach than what we saw in his first stint for Brumbies. So I might hand over to Joey now, but I thought I'd just put that out there as a thought or an idea. Uh, Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Overrated might not be the right word. I think they were a pretty dour team. And I think they just sort of at that point maybe played to their strengths. They had a pretty, um, I don't know, they weren't exactly, they were pretty limited backline, I think, from memory mm. during those couple of years that he was he was there. Um, or particularly, well, oh, maybe not. I can't, when was that? 20, 14, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, right. So it's sort of like, oh, there was like 14, 14 he inherited a title content, like a grand final, or a team that made the grand final. Um, and then he what kicked on into the Wallabies not long after that. So I don't yeah. know. It's sort of, there was a few years there where they lost, Tamua left after the 2015 World Cup, White left after the 2015 World Cup. And so I think they were a bit limited in that sense. So I think they were quite boring, that like they were, very much, I think that's where the rolling ball reputation. Came in. Yeah. Well, I think that's just where, like, that's all they do. Part of it came into it. Um, I think he's got better cattle basically this time. I think he can, like, if he, if they want to have a better, a more expansive attacking game, they can, um, and they do. I mean, that's true now. They've already done that. They were doing that under McKellar, um, but they've just got that core DNA. Um, I, I would hope that not a lot changes, actually, that he just puts his own maybe like flourishes on it here and there. Um, and it's more around maybe development and long-term direction that he has a bigger say because, I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, like I, don't, I think the, the staff around him is exactly the same, so I can't imagine too much is actually going to change. One of the things that he has sort of said already in in some of the launches and and pre sort of Super Rugby chats uh, is that Dan McKellar obviously had had an emphasis on scoring points through the driving mall. And one of the things that he has come out and said is that we need to find other ways to score points. We can't rely on our mall every week. Uh, Does that, how does that sit with you, Joey? Like, is that something that you, I mean, you said. I think that's just a way of getting it over the line. Yeah, it's sort of one of those things. Like, I sort of, like, I actually. Like that's just how the Brumbies get it over the line, and they have variations off the mall that they use to score tries as well. It's just that it's a very effective platform for them to use once they get into that 22 zone. Um, but outside of that, they play a pretty attacking brand of rugby when they're in that, that 40 to 40 zone and stuff like that. They kick a fair bit, but all good teams do. Mm. Um, so I'm like, sure, like if you want to try and score more tries out on the wing. But, I mean, Tom Wright was the second highest try scorer last year. So, I mean, if your winger's scoring nine tries in a season, um, 
obviously they're not just going for the mall all the time. So, I mean, maybe that's just reputation rather than reality. I think Paul tries though. Yeah, he got one or two at least. Came in the last nah, minute was... and took the ball. Nah, that was Noah. <laughs> that was Noah, yeah. Um, I'll quickly jump in there. So I was just, look, what I was saying before was a bit of a gut feel. And I went back and had a look at the actual um, like placings throughout the whole season during his reign, which is 2014 to 17 for Larkin. And it was fourth, sixth, fourth, and fourth. Um, now, the win-loss ratios vary quite significantly during that. Like in one year where they finished fourth in 2017, they played 15, only won six games. They lost nine, um, but obviously went well within the well, finals to get to that point. Um, so Also probably more of a reflection of where Australian rugby was at at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but just one of the... Oh my god, I had a mental blank about what I was about to say. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of the Brumbies being kind of forward focused or using kind of the line out or the mall as an attacking platform, the reality is that you have to be multifaceted in all attacking opportunities in the modern game. And so for a team like the Brumbies, sure, they've they've got a fantastic driving mall and that's that's brilliant for them. But the amazing thing that you see about it, particularly that stat you made before in terms of backs getting um tries and the like is that the mall nowadays either results in a try directly from getting pushed over or provides a great platform for attacking play by drawing players in to defend that so there's more space elsewhere in the field that the brumbies are excellent at exploiting so i think that um a lot of the criticism that can be directed towards that sometimes dower style of play in with the driving mall, from my mind is actually a bit of jealousy. Like I'd love the Waratahs to have as strong of a mall as the Brumbies do. I would, because it means that we have we can be a multi-threat team. We're not just um, really strong backline plays off kind of scrum set piece. We're not just a good counter-attacking team, but actually we've got that upfront dominance as well. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to be said about it. And I think sometimes people just go for the easy cop out of it's a bit boring, it's a bit we'd love to see more kind of running rugby but look to be honest i'd rather see winning rugby and the brumbies have been pretty good at that cool let's push on um so some of the other signings we've had this year for the brumbies declan meredith charlie kale harry vella ben o'donnell jack debrasini cory tool and tamati tour uh joe out of that list who jumps out to you or who are you most excited to see in a brumbies jersey this year uh so Probably the one who's probably going to be the most influential, I think, is probably going to be Tamadi Tua, um, just because he's looking likely to be the uh, inside centre for the Brumbies. So he's got to fill Iroh Simone's shoes. Um, and I don't think he needs to do exactly everything that he did, he's, but he's just got to be a big body who runs hard and does his job, and I think he'll do a good job. From the bit that I saw in the trial game against the Tars in Griffith, he looked like rock solid, so that mm-hmm. was a good sign for me. Big, big guy, good, good on the advantage line, that sort of stuff. So I think he's someone that stands out to me. Um, other than that, it's just cool. A lot of those guys are actually just academy guys being pushed up into the top squad, which is always exciting to see. And who, um, who jumps out to you? What's the name that you're excited about for this year? Oh, look, I've already mentioned Dakar. Jack Debrasini, but Ben O'Donnell and Corey Tool coming across from the Sevens program will be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Corey Tool was originally 15s before going 
on to play with the sevens as a bit of a development opportunity for him. And so I'll love to see. He, he looked pretty good against the Waratahs down at Griffith, um, bagged a couple of tries there. And I really hope that we see a bit more of him throughout the season because he is electric in terms of his agility and pace. And then in the departures this, we've got... Sorry, Joe, do you have anything you wanted to say on that? Oh, I just said he's just got pure gas. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, lightning. He's fast. Uh, in the departures, we've got Scotty Seo, Ira Simone, Tom Banks, Flau Fatengaa, Rod Iona, Lockie Albert, and Cam Clark. Now, quite a, a fair bit of experience that is leaving the Brumbies in that list. If you had to isolate one of them as may, maybe being the most influential, who would it be, Ando? Uh, R.A. Simone, without a shadow of a doubt. Looking at his performances when I was going through some of the replays for in preparation for this podcast, he was just everywhere in terms of the backline attack for the Brumbies. He was incredible. And good arguments can be made for Scotty Seo um, being quite important because of the pressure that puts upon James Slipper now um, as kind of the other established uh, prop. But yeah, R.A. Simone, for me, he's not irreplaceable, but there's going to be a really, really significant gap that I don't think they're going to be able to fill this season. Yeah, the player that jumps out for me is Tom Banks. And that's probably because at the moment we don't really, the Brumbies don't have a like-for-like replacement, like a an out-and-out fullback who's who's Jesse Mogg. confident in that position. Yeah, but Jesse, Jesse Mogg's not the type of player that you want to be like relying on to... Like, what is Jesse Mogg now? 32? Hey, that's still young, mate. That's still young. But he's he's up there. Um, we've got so they've got Jesse Mogg, but they've also got Tom Wright, who's going to be shifting across there. And we sort of saw for the Wallabies last year, he got a few minutes there at fullback, but he didn't really look like the finished product. And I think for me personally, he's the type of player I'd prefer to be seeing on the wing. Uh, he just looks more comfortable there, and and a like for like replacement for Tom Banks. I, I personally don't think they've got one. Um, any thoughts on that, Joey? On fullback? Uh, yeah, on fullback uh, or on departures. Departures, uh, I think Scotty Seo is going to be a big one, not only for the reasons Ando's outlined with um, just regards to the prop rotation, but he's also been there forever and a day. He'd probably be the most consistent member of that squad. So he was like, I think, I can't remember when he made his debut, but it'd probably be around 2012, um, somewhere around there. And he's been there probably before that as part of the academy as well. So as someone who's... You know, been around the club, big personality, um, consistent in driving club standards and things like that. Um, he's probably leaving. A, I imagine he's left a pretty big hole in the whole environment at the club. Um, as for fullback, I mean, I'm kind of excited. I hope they go with Tom Wright. I think mm-hmm. he's a really exciting option um, in that he's not a like-for-like replacement for Tom Banks. I think he can actually do more things than Tom Banks can. I think he can actually ball play uh, more. He's got a passing game. Um, so I think the the ceiling for Tom Wright as a fullback is a lot higher than um, probably it was even for Banksy. Um, he's just got to sort out his floor. Um, so he's just got to play a bit, a bit smarter and cut out errors. But I think we saw yeah. signs of that last year. I mean, he's still got a bit of a brain explosion in him but I think now he's getting quite experienced you can see a lot of that's coming out I mean I just think back to that island test where he was effectively playing fullback with Geordie Pataira and Marky Mark on the other wing and it was like 
arguably one of the better back three performances we'd had all year. So, like, I think the potential's there. It's just maybe a bit of perseverance. Yeah, nice. All right, let's move through to the squad for 2023. Uh, we'll start with the forwards. Anu, do you want to read this out for those that are playing along on the podcast? Easy. Alan Alalatoa, Fred Cahia, Sefo Kautai, Tom Ross, James Slipper, Harry Vella as the props. Hookers are Billy Pollard, Lockie Lonergan, and Connell McInerney. Locks, Nick Frost, Tom Hooper, Caden Neville, and Darcy Swain. Although Tom Hooper's out for a few weeks now. Uh, what was Tom Hooper's injury? Can anybody remember? I'd assume it's just dislocated, coming back from the dislocated shoulder, isn't it? I'm going to check. I thought he... I yeah, don't know. We'll otherwise. Yeah. I'll check. I don't um, think he played in any of the trials unless he re-injured okay. something or injured something again. Yeah. Back row is Jerome Brown, Charlie Kale, Ed Kennedy, Luke Reimer, Rory Scott, Pete Samu, and Rob Valentini. That's a killer back row combination right there. Some excellent players. This really is a stacked forward pack, really, for the, the Brumbies this year. It's something that we've sort of come to expect of Brumbies rugby. Uh, quite a few names to jump off the page there, but who are you most excited to see packed down for the forwards this year? Joey? Uh, so as a former hooker, I'm pretty pumped to see Billy Pollard and Lockie Lonigan in action. Um, they're really exciting prospects that I, yeah, I'm pretty pumped to see those guys. Um, and then, yeah, Frosty. Nick Frost is, um, I think, a great option. Like, I just want to see how he continues to develop after a big season for the Wallabies. I'm going to quickly jump in there. Uh, Tom Tom Hooper did get an injury in the game against the Waratahs in Griffith, and it looked like a serious foot injury. Um, And there hasn't been any further news about it, but it looked bad when he was taken off. So he might well be out for a while if it is as bad as first thought. Okay, there you go. Let's get on that casualty ward then and figure out what's going on. Um, Joey, do you want to run us through the backs for the Brumbies this year? Yeah, sure. So at nine, they've got Nick White, uh, Clayton Thorne, and Ando's favourite, Ryan Lonigan. The man. <laughs> at man you, didn't have to say, him. you didn't have to. You could have left him off. <laughs> you could have left him off. Um, at fly half, they've got Noel Alessio, uh, Nathan Carroll, and Jack Debrasini. Centres, uh, Hudson Crichton, Chris Fayo. Oh, I can never say Stay away, Sortia. Uh, Sortia. Yeah, that's yep. that's it. Len Ikitao, Ollie Sapsford, and Tamati Tua. Outside backs, they've got Declan Meredith, Jesse Mogg, Andy Muirhead, Ben O'Donnell, Corey Tool, and Tom Wright. Fantastic. Now, I think I know who Ando's going to say here, but let's see if he sort of bucks a trend. Who are you most excited to see play in the backs for the Brumbies this year, Ando? <laughs> Oh, look, most excited. Um, I think I can't ever go past Ryan Lonergan, but I will for this moment. And I'm going to be saying it's going to be really interesting to see how the wing options stack up here for the the Brumbies because Andy Muirhead is perennially underrated by anybody who is not a Brumbies fan. Um, He has been solid gold for them for a while now, but not in any kind of glitzy kind of glamour ways so although he was well deserved in the Wallabies squad last year he didn't actually get any game time for them and it'll be interesting to see whether Ben O'Donnell and Corey Tool push their way in and also what what the back outside backs are going to look like whether Tom Wright does go back to 15 or whether they keep Muirhead and Wright on the wing and have Jesse Mogg start at 15 to try and not change things up a bit um, it'll be interesting to find out whether or not Dave Rennie slash Eddie Jones had much of a conversation being like 
Tom Wright needs to be at 15. He needs a full season at 15 because it might well be that Wallabies push that makes the Brumbies coaches say, okay, cool, Wright, Wright is going to be our 15 for the season. Any thoughts on that, Joey? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I would be interested to know if they have had that conversation. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I back three plays pretty similar though too. So depending on how they want to use it, playing 15 and wings not too dissimilar. So maybe they, it's not it like maybe the Brumbies just go, look, he's their best option for us, so we're going for it or something like that. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, I don't know. Uh, as for players that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing. I don't know. Uh, the backs are pretty locked in. I'm just curious to see that they, if they, I think they are going to go with Tua at 12, like I said before, but mm-hmm. um, that's probably the big sort of, I mean, talking about like for like replacements, they don't, that's the big one that they don't have a replacement for. Um, like Ando was saying earlier, like that's where I think Simone Elliott is probably the biggest hole in the back line and harder to replace. So that's, yeah, I'm more interested to see just who pl- fills that hole. Uh, just around the sort of the general kicking play, I know Tom Banks did a lot of the like kicks to touch and stuff for the Brumbies and, and sort of general kicking. Who steps in and takes over for that, you think? Does that shift uh, Jesse Mogg more into consideration of needing a player, particularly in that back three, who is more comfortable kicking the ball? Oh, well, both the top nines are pretty comfortable leathering it. So I'm sure they can do it. Noah's not bad. And then they've got um, Debrasini as well. So, and he's probably a smoky for 15. If they want to go with two playmakers and a massive cannon at 15, he's played 15 before. So, um, there's that option as well. That's a, that's Jeb, the name Debrasini. Just talk about yeah. him for a little bit. That's a, a really smart move, I think, by the Brumbies. It's something we spoke about last year and we highlighted that that depth below Noel Alessio kind of. They came undone, particularly late in the season when Rod Ayunas stepped up and no disrespect to the guy, but probably didn't lead the team around as well or didn't have the experience in the saddle to kind of slot in and be a like-for-like replacement for Noah. Um, Debrasini comes in. He's played really well in the trials so far this year and last year. He looks like he's actually sort of screaming or knocking on that door to sort of unseat Noah from that starting position. So we already spoke previously around how that's going to just help Noah and sort of give him a bit more competition to make sure he's consistently improving to get that starting jersey. But just in terms of a replacement, if Noah were to get injured or to bring in someone to give to manage Noah's time throughout the season, having a player like Debrazini is a massive plus for the Brumbies. Definitely. He's a great option. To have, just to have him sitting on the bench gives you a lot of safety feelings. All right, let's um, let's keep going then, and um, we will go into our most valuable players. Now, I know Joey, you've got a list of quite a few. We've got four up here. Who are you? Yeah, twenty-three. Out of these yeah, four? twenty-three. Yeah, I yeah, I all how how many's in a Super Rugby squad? Um, no, <laughs> they were all on it. <laughs> Which of these, Joey, you, then, pick one? you think are the most important? Um, so for me, I think it's going to be. James Slipper, just for the reasons that we sort of highlighted earlier around with the departure of Scott CEO. Last year, they'll have to do, well, they were able to really effectively manage their minutes. They could basically do, you know, one would play, 50, one would start and play 50 minutes, and the other would play 30 minutes off the bench, and then they'd swap the other way. 
and uh, little things like that. So they were able to basically run like manage both their minutes really well. Uh, this year, obviously, there's with Scott leaving, there's a probably an experience void um, between uh, with Fred Kahia coming in. Uh, so that's just something that they'll have to manage. I mean, pretty confident. Fred's going to be able to step up. He's a good player, but it's just when the big games come along, I think James is going to be probably the most important one because we just don't have the well the experienced backup there. Don't have a Wallaby as the backup loose head prop <laughs> this year. And uh, who who's another player that jumps out of you in this list? Look, I think it. We mentioned it just a moment ago. It has to be Tom Wright. Um, in terms of just the uncertainty around that fifteen position and what the back three composition will be, his involvement, whether that be at say fourteen or fifteen, is is key. So whatever position he takes will be really important. I mean, you could easily argue Ikitao because of his importance within the backline structure, both for that was going to be my one. Um, but yeah, look, you can argue a lot of these, but. Yeah, I think for me, Tom Wright, because I'm I'm more interested in what happens in that back three composition. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Ikitao and just purely for the fact that, you know, losing Ira Simone this year, we've already seen that they're going to need to fill that other centre pairing without Ikitao there. And should the Brumbies lose Ikitao in some way to injury this season, it's going to be a big ask to have two inexperienced centres come in and um, they rely so heavily on his sort of go forward. So he's one of the players really like, when we look at the depth across the, the board for the Brumbies, they're pretty stacked in most positions apart from centre. And should they lose Lenikitao to, hopefully not, touch wood, a lengthy injury in this season, um, that they're going to struggle, I think, in that area. Any thoughts? Wish, Keep going. Nah, Pete Samu? Keep going. Anyone else? Keep going. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. We, all right. We all season predictions for the Brumbies. <laughs> all right. Season predictions. Um, in terms of their strengths, we... There's, there's a whole bunch of continuity from last year's squad to this year. Yeah, they've had some outs, but it's, they're, they're not the central players that the team is built around that they kind of lost. Um, probably the biggest two are Ire Simone and Scotty Co. So those two going is pretty, pretty significant. Um, but their pack is just excellent. So that's one of the, one of the really stri- strong areas of this team is the quality, the experience, and the physicality that this forward pack has. Um, weaknesses, we're just not exactly sure what the new coach is going to bring, Stephen Markham. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously has more experience now than when he left in at the end of 2017. And so it'll be interesting to see what he brings and how much uh, change there'll be within the attacking or defensive structures of the team. Um, And also there is a bit of concern about depth in certain positions. Um, You've got a lot of talent in areas like the back three, but if one or two players go down throughout the course of a somewhat long season, then they could get pretty significantly exposed. So that'll be um, pretty concerning. But having said all that, this is still a very good Brumbies team. And so we have them placed as the top four. Joe, what do your what do you think the Brumbies need to do differently in twenty twenty three to go that extra step and make the grand final? I think it's about stringing the games to like in, within matches, playing for the full eighty minutes. Um, like like I was sort of talking about with those with the uh, Blues semi final and stuff. It's that first half they got a bit loose, and it was the same against the Crusaders a couple of weeks beforehand, and they let them get out to a bit of a lead, and then when they started playing their style and asserted and asserting that on the game they 
were got themselves worked themselves back into the game and back into a position to win it. Um, so I think it's just about putting t- that together against those top teams for 80 minutes. Um, that's what they've got to have as their aim for this year, I think. And I think building on that point as well, like what needs to be priority for the Brumbies this year is to finish in that top four to ensure they get that home quarter. And last year, they were so close. Like if you remember, they had they not lost to Moana Pacifica in, was it the last round of the season? They were going to play the Waratahs in a quarterfinal in Canberra. Like as well, oh, they had a home fans, quarterfinal. It was a home semifinal. It was a home semifinal then. Yeah, yeah so, they missed out on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. they, yeah, exactly. That's right. They did have that. Yeah. Who did they play yeah. in the quarter again? The Hurricanes. The Canes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, but they need to make sure that they're on the right side of the draw so that they can secure those home quarters and semis because it only came down to that loss against Moana Pacifica that sort of ended up shifting the way that the draw ran for them in the finals. Um, and look, say what you will about Canberra and getting the crowd behind it, but if they can get themselves into a home semi-final, there'll be support for them. People will travel down from Sydney, um, particularly if the Waratahs have bowed out by that point. So uh, I think that's a, a big thing that the Brumbies need to be conscious of this year is finishing in a way that's going to secure them as good a run as they can up into the final. Anything else, Ando, or are you just you're falling asleep on us? Mate, I'm bloody exhausted. I was at the beach earlier today. But with that being said, I am incredibly excited for this game on Friday night. So I, I actually don't know who's going to win between the Tars and the Brumbies. Like, it being played at the new stadium, Allianz, is fantastic. The crowd figures are looking really, really good. Um, Joey's going to be there in attendance, so it'll be good to shake his hand oh. after the game either way. Yep. Um, but it's just really, really difficult to be able to pick. And I'm I'm really nervous and I haven't felt this way in a while because as as a Tars fan, I've got high hopes for what this season could be for us. But we're coming up against a really good run. It's it's going to be a good game. I'm very excited for it. I uh, just have no idea who's gonna win. That's right. Now I guess another plug for our tipping comp if you do want to get involved in that way, do um join that join that, sorry, and, and let your put your tips in and, and see tell us who you think's gonna win. Um, yeah, I guess another plug for the podcast moving forward next week will be the first reactionary pod for super rugby round one. So we're doing things a little bit different this year. We're doing, we are the people's podcast. So we want to hear from you. Keep an eye out on our socials. We will be putting out polls about which games you want us to talk about. Uh, who was their favorite player, that sort of thing. So a lot more interact interactivity. Is that a word? Um, coming for the podcast this year. Uh, so, yeah, do keep a, uh, an eye on our socials for those things. Is there going to be a live reaction pod from the pub afterwards? There's definitely going to be a live reaction pod. Um, I'm not too sure what the driving arrangements will be for you, Mitch. I'm probably going to be training it in, so I, I might well hit the pub afterwards. Um, but hey. it's, it's, going to, it's, it's going to be loose in terms of its enthusiasm or despair, depending upon the result. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and yes, there will definitely be a live reaction pod straight after the game. Yes. <laughs> That'll be something for Joey to listen to on his drive back to Canberra. You're welcome. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, um, everyone, for getting to this part of the pod. 
And on that point, I'll just quickly jump in and say, if there is anybody who uh, listens to the pod that is going to be there at the game, feel free to send us a message on social media. We might see if we can get there a bit early and grab a beer with a few people, um, either at the stadium or at a nearby pub um, beforehand. It'd be great to say g'day and, yeah, just talk up rugby in Australia for 2023. It's been too long since Super Rugby was in our vain so i'm glad that we have that hit back again cannot wait for friday and yeah fellas thanks for thanks for being here with us tonight wouldn't miss well, it mate. thank you for having me miss it <laughs> cool thanks everyone we'll catch you next week thanks guys bye